Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas Studios. Winchester, the veteran who's played in more postseason games than any other chief, tied with Travis Kelsey. Townsend will hold it. 11 seconds left in Super Bowl 57, 35, 35 tie. The kick is good, and Kansas City leads 38-35 with eight seconds to go in regulation in Super Bowl 57. This is the Press Box. What does the moment mean to you, Andy? It means a lot. I could kiss you right now, but I'm not going to do that. <laughs> with Grady and Bischoff. Are you sweating? What's going on there? It's a little bit of everything. I'm holding back some French fries and some lamb burgers right now. <laughs> ESPN Las Vegas. Oh, it's a Jared morning. Here we go. Ed, Tyler, and Jared. Kansas City wins it. We're all excited for him. We've got hats. No filter network. He brought back prizes and gifts from the Super Bowl. Jared goes to Radio Row <laughs> and, and comes back and gives me luxury hand lotion. It's it nice. Your name it's on nice. It. From the Tyler Candle Company. There you go. <laughs> need that? Hey, who doesn't need that? If Jared had told me I got a gift for you from Radio Row. How many tries would it have taken me to guess luxury hand lotion? We'd be here a very long time. <laughs> We'd be here for a very long time. I appreciate the hand lotion, Jared. I mean, that's I I I kind of have the bad habit of, oh, who you guys, where are you guys from? Oh, Texas, who's your sponsor? Oh, cool. Is that chicken? Oh, I could have some? Awesome. Oh, is that hand lotion? Oh, I can have some? Awesome. So Jared just walked around and got a bunch of free stuff. Yeah, apparently. hey, that's what you should do there, right? Right. If they're handing it out, they did go not get some. want any ESPN Las Vegas t shirts. So <laughs> I gave them to the uh, crew cleaning up. In a true sports writer fashion, walk around and get what you can, my friend. Take a bag out and just put everything in the bag. <laughs> that's actually a shout out to Danny for uh, making me purchase something so I could have a bag to put all my <laughs> this free Is this stuff. for Danny? The koozie. It's the koozie. He didn't take it? No, he just left it here. He, well, he, he was coming out. back he was, for yeah, it. Yeah, he's coming back for it. That's very nice. Yeah, you remember Danny Can't collects do. koozies like a weirdo. Yeah, that's... Oh, that's right. That's yeah. right. Well, he lost so many bets. I feel good that he got something like... I feel good he got the koozie because he lost so many bets. I don't need... I don't even know if we can call him a degenerate. I don't know what he wins. No, no that's, that's losing. what makes you a degenerate. Yeah, if, he's, he's, if he won all the time, well, he wouldn't be, be working here. We'd, we'd yeah. call him a winner? Yeah. He, we'd be like, wow, Danny's, Danny's really good at this. Count. Yeah. But, but he loses. And yeah. he's a he drives to Arizona to lose. Oh, man. Poor he, kid. He was in here counting up his bets today, and it was like, <laughs> losses. One, two, three, four. He stopped at 10. He did. Stop counting there. He's going to be the guy that, like, he's going to be 40 and for some reason have just, yeah, I know way too much about the Hawaii football team (laughs) because I got to make my money back tonight. Exactly. The first bite. Notice I was trying to avoid this. Was the Super Bowl disappointing? You're talking about the call because I thought before the call, I really enjoyed that game. Phenomenal game. Phenomenal game until the call. Oh, uh, you're talking about whenever they took that touchdown off the board when the guy obviously fumbled? <laughs> <laughs> Disappointing? I don't know if I was disappointed. I, I didn't. Did I like that it ended with Pat Mahomes taking knees and running out the clock? I'm not so sure I like that. But I will say this about Bradbury. As much as everyone completely ripped the call and said it was a horrible call afterwards, like, yeah, I held him. <laughs> because I was just hoping they'd like like right. disregard it. He was hoping they'd yeah. let it go or wouldn't see it. Yeah. One of the two. You know, 
And he, I can't say I watched that game and walked away completely disappointed, though. No. The, no. The game was phenomenal. Phenomenal game. Every, every part of that game until the way it ended was great. And even still, the way it ended, I don't walk away thinking it was terrible. But it's the, it's the same exact thing that happened in the AFC title game mm-hmm. where we as an audience don't get the satisfaction of a great play won right. the Super Bowl. A great play won the game. Right. We wanted that in the AFC title game. We had Burrow and Mahomes. We wanted a great play by one of them to win the game. And ultimately, it was a helmet-to-helmet, out-of-bounds hit. Not right. helmet-to-helmet, excuse me. Right. Out-of-bounds hit on out of Mahomes hit. that got him in the field goal range. And in this one, we didn't really get that, oh, what a great play. It was, oh, a defensive holding allowed the Chiefs to run the clock out and kick, kick the a field goal to win it. field goal. It's not the satisfaction that we want, but in both situations, that's that call is the right call, right? right? It's not right. like the refs missed a call. That was the right call, right. and we just don't like that. We don't like that's, that. That's the way the sport is set up, though. If you're going to commit a penalty in that situation, it's going to be anticlimactic, mm-hmm. and we walk away from it thinking, ah, that wasn't as good as it could have been because... Chiefs are taking knees in the final minute of the game instead of Mahomes. giving up touchdowns, sliding. Right, you're you're you losing a prop bet. I bet on Jarek McKinnon to have a touchdown. Oh, Nightmare man. tackled at the one That's in the third, brutal. slides at the brutal. one in the fourth. Ah, oh, just score. But here's I think the interesting part, and Ben Baldwin on Twitter pointed this out. If you're the Eagles, if you're James Bradbury in that situation where you hold Juju Smith-Schuster and don't let him get free. The worst case scenario for Philadelphia, under two minutes, Eagles have one timeout left. Chiefs are already in field goal range. Worst case scenario is Kansas City getting a first down without scoring a touchdown. Right. Because then, like they did, they can run the clock out. Mm -hmm. If you're James Bradbury, if you're the Eagles, you've got to have the awareness that, oh, uh, let them score. Like if I'm beat... Right. Let them score because if they score, at least my offense gets ninety Which seconds. Afterward, to they tried the to. Right. Yeah. And McKinnon. And McKinnon had to slide just slid down because McKinnon made the right yeah. play. But uh, like Twitter was great with the, it's fixed. Why would he slide down? Yeah. Be- because there's a clock. Right. <laughs> but that's like what? if you're yeah. Bradbury in that scenario, you you just have if you got beat and he he got beat. That's why he held. Right. You just gotta let him go. And if, if it's a touchdown, all right, you're down seven and your offense gets the ball. Or if it's incomplete, Eagles are kicking a, or excuse me, Chiefs are kicking a field goal with 90 seconds left instead of running the clock out. But by holding, you give the Chiefs best case scenario, which is run the clock we can out, run kick the clock field out, goal, win the game, kick a 25 yarder or whatever it was to win the game. So is it disappointing? Yes, but that's that's what football is. That's the construct of the game. There are referees there to call things when players break the rules. And that's what happened at the end of the game. It's what happened at the end of the AFC title game as well. And it's not fun, but that's the way the foot, that's the way the sport is designed. And until there's a way to change that, it's not going to be any different. We're going to have lots of games that end in similar fashion where a referee throws a justified flag and that ultimately runs the clock out or wins the game for a team because that's the reality of the sport. Um, Huge accountability by that guy, by the way, James Radbury. Yeah. Yeah. Said he did it. Yeah. Good job. Yeah. Steps up and says, yeah, I held yeah, the I mean, guy. 
Well, I mean, it's good job obvious. on good right. job on the accountability. Not good job on holding. Well, not yeah, the good no, job. No. no, not the good job on the actual <laughs> play. Not at all. Um, is it hyperbole to start asking if Patrick Mahomes can become the greatest quarterback of all time? No, not can become. I don't think you can say he is yet. But no, I don't think it's hyperbole to say he can become that. Five seasons in, Patrick Mahomes has two Super Bowls, two Super Bowl MVPs, two regular season MVPs. He's won the AFC West all five seasons. He's been in the AFC title game, or better, obviously, in all five seasons. Every year Mahomes has been a starting quarterback. The Chiefs have been one of the last four teams Mm -hmm. playing. He can't do it without Tyreek Hill. (laughs) (laughs) It's an incredible run, and it's his first five years in the league. And they're probably not going to, like, the next five years... They're probably not going to go to the AFC title game all five years, right? right? But they're probably going to the AFC title game three or four times. Three or four. They're probably going back to the Super Bowl once or twice in the next five, and they'll probably win one, maybe two. And I think the the question is, we said it last week, if Mahomes gets to like, obviously Brady has seven Super Bowls, which is going to be almost impossible to pass. But if he gets to four, it's probably a real conversation because we're all going to sit back and say, I test watching Mahomes, he's yeah. better than Brady. Even though he doesn't have the team Super Bowl accomplishment, right. we're still going to sit back and say, I test he's better. And he'll probably have the stats to say, oh, wow, his stats are better yeah. than Brady's, too. If he does the Brady thing of the second half of his career, just going, nah, I don't really need to get paid. Uh, go ahead and just get me a defensive tackle with what you were going to pay me. <laughs> if he starts doing that, I've. Sorry, Raiders fans. Well, oh, he's already under contract yeah. for what a deck nine years now, yeah. I guess. That's a uh, Raiders. <laughs> watching that last night. I don't know who their quarterbacks gonna be, but it's not a good thing. Does it matter? No, for the next that's 10 the thing. Years? No. The and I'll tell you this about Mahomes. The I think the most impressive stat for me from he wasn't that game, healthy last night. He wasn't. No, it's true. It's the most true. impressive stat from that game last night is that Patrick Mahomes was not sacked by the defense mm-hmm. that led the league. That everyone said sacks. that was going to be the one thing right. that the Philadelphia could definitely have an advantage over. And not to just completely shun offensive linemen and pretend like they don't matter, but Patrick Mahomes is one of the best that have probably ever played the game at not getting sacked. Mm-hmm. And yes, your offensive line matters. You can't just have five traffic cones out there. But... Patrick Mahomes is phenomenal at avoiding guys in the pocket like we saw what Tom Brady do for years. And he's also phenomenal at getting outside of the pocket when he needs to. He's un it's unbelievable. And that is a to me, that is a quarterback stat. Him not getting sacked in that game against the team that had 70 in the regular season. It's a quarterback stat. And it's probably the most impressive one, I think, from last yeah. night for Mahomes. I mean, I think you still give you still give credit to his offensive line yeah. for holding up. Yeah. Um, but you're right. I mean, he avoids things that other people just can't avoid. Right. He's unbelievable. And not only does he avoid them, he makes plays. Well, then he while makes plays with his arm as yeah. he's do- as he's doing it. There was a play late in the third quarter where a defensive end did like a hesitation stunt, and as soon as he came around unblocked, Patrick Mahomes just stepped up, so the guy had to yeah. stop and go into a blocker, yeah. and it was just like. Good good luck. Yeah. And I think that's a good sign Mahomes is going to be this good for another decade. 
is he doesn't have to. It's not it's not because he's faster, has tremendous acceleration that he avoids hits in the pocket. He's just got terrific awareness and good movement. It's very much like Tom Brady did. Tom Brady for years was just subtle movements in the pocket to avoid avoid a sack. And Mahomes has that. Plus, he's more agile and athletic in the pocket and gets out of the pocket more than Brady ever did. But I think he's going to be this good for 10 years, at least because of that. And what I mean, what's going to deteriorate for Patrick Mahomes 10 years from now on what he does now? Maybe he's not running on a high ankle sprain for 26 yards in the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl, but he's still going to be really, really good. And that's not good news for the Raiders. It's not. It's just not really good news not. for the Las Vegas Raiders, my friend. I would say it is good for this show. Because <laughs> I believe we have more fun covering a bad team. Like, or a team that's just sort of stuck in mediocrity. Like, what is it going to take for Mahomes to not... For Kansas City to not be great while Mahomes is their quarterback? Because this year, their their defense ranked 16th. It wasn't a bad defense, but it was an average NFL defense. Right? Their skill position, guys, yes, Travis Kelsey is on that team. But outside of that, it's Juju Smith-Schuster, Sky Moore caught a touchdown, Kadarius Toney caught a touchdown, Isaiah Pacheco is pretty good. Like, they don't have just overwhelming skill position talent. They didn't have a great defense. Like, what is, like, we talk about rookie contracts and building a roster. Mahomes doesn't even really need that good of a roster, and they won the Super Bowl. He got like a bunch of different teams, number three guys, <laughs> like Scantling, and, Juju. These are all dudes that other teams are like, yeah, we'll find we'll find a num- better number two. And isn't that more, more yet more comparisons to Brady? Yeah, who had a great tight end. Yeah, and then just kept and he had some great receivers. He he was around, there so the long way. that he had every team combination you yes, could possibly exactly. have. <laughs> yeah, but he did great it. Receivers, he other did receivers, no name wide receivers. Yeah, he did it with too. no names sometimes. And it's just like it's. When you see the Chiefs win the Super Bowl with this team, an average defense, yes, Kelsey, but then basically average skill position guys, it kind of makes you wonder, what does it take for them not to be great under Mahomes? And I I don't know what the answer is. I, they're probably going to be awesome for the next decade. Yeah. Unless, you know, when, if Mahomes has a season-ending injury, that'll be the answer. Chad Henney's not there because he's retiring to step in and lead him on a touchdown drive in the playoffs anymore, but good for Chad Henney, by the way. Who's going to be the Chiefs' backup, Jared? It's been Chad Henney for like six years. At one point, it was Matt Moore. That's the same guy, isn't it? Chad right. And I'm Matt trying Moore. to think of a guy. Is you know Blake? who's out there? Jared Stidham. He's too young. It needs to be a guy, it needs to be a guy that, that has been kicked around the league, but it can't be like Chase Daniel old. It needs to be like a guy that you're like, didn't he start for the Dolphins? For, is Chad Pennington available? <laughs> All right, coming up next here on ESPN Las Vegas, we'll stick with the Super Bowl. Hertz takes the snap. The Chiefs only rushing two on a delay. Clock is going to be out of time, and the pass is going to be underthrown. It's incomplete. It's incomplete. Everyone, everyone who claims the Chiefs kingdom will raise a banner above the National Football League again for the second time in four seasons. The Lombardi Trophy has a red and gold reflection, a big red reflection. The Chiefs are champions of Super Bowl 57. Harris Hurts lining up three receivers all to the far side. Hurts goes back. He's stepping up. He's looking, still looking. 
He is launching it deep downfield, and it bounces. And the seconds are gone. And the Kansas City Chiefs have won another Super Bowl, 38 to 35. Graney and Bischoff are back on the press box. The ref saying this is the end of the game really ruined those radio calls. Yeah. Like, why did he do that? Did, did he not think we knew the clock ran out? I've heard the him Chiefs do that after every game. Really? Yeah, I hear that all. I hear that after every game. Man, I don't pay enough attention. Um, at least that wasn't the Philly, uh, I guess, not play-by-play guy, but the radio host or the host that Jared would have had to beep out uh, 14 words from. Did you see that guy afterwards? No, no. What, what Wait, did I miss? Yep. This needs to be dropped into the, either oh, the rundown man. or the group chat for later. I don't, I mean, what did I miss? Ran, just it, it, a, se- it seemed like it was a host of like a show or something in, in Like Philly, a radio obviously. host in Philly? Yeah, like a radio host or a host. But he was on he was on a video there, and, and uh, they were shooting it. And um, he literally was dropping a bleeps all over the place because of the call. <laughs> it was kind of funny. I mean, it was like, is this guy live? And they didn't bleep it out either. And he was not happy with the call. Good for him. <laughs> Good for him. He got away with cussing live on some on air. some on some platform. I'm Good not sure him. which one it was. Let it fly. Um, did you guys see the complaints about the field? Yes. 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 So, and so the best part is a PR firm was like, you know who gets credit for the field? So Hassan Reddick. Uh, complained. He said it's the worst field that he's ever played on. Mm-hmm. Um, the funniest part about this is that the NFL apparently spent $800,000 for this field. The NFL spent like multiple years yeah, getting, getting the this field, field ready. ready for the Super Bowl. And then apparently it sucked. Apparently it was terrible. The guys are slipping all over. Right. For everyone. And as Jared just mentioned there, there's a guy on Twitter... Before the game started, Joe Pompliano, and he he's the one that tweeted out the field cost eight hundred thousand dollars. All Two years this, getting it ready. All this about the grass, and then one of the tweets in his thread about this was the real Super Bowl MVP tonight is George Toma. He is ninety four years <laughs> old, and has been a groundskeeper for the A's, Royals, and Chiefs. He has prepared fields for 37 Pro Bowls, several World Series, and every single Super Bowl in history. His nickname is The Sod. The Sod, yeah. And the field was a nightmare because a a 94-year-old man is in charge of it. It's a disaster. Oh, see, I was talking about the fact that, hey, the field was developed by the United States Golfing Association. (laughs) And they kept, like, like, tweeting it out. Hey, guys, you know, a bunch of golfers were consulted on this field. You know, you don't do a lot of running in golf. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that's the mistake that was like, made. Of all the people to consult, maybe some soccer players would have been a better group. 94-year-old groundskeeper has worked every Super Bowl, apparently. I thought recently, in recent years, he gave it over to the son or someone like that, but I guess not. I guess he's still in charge of this. Can't thing. be the sad father if you pass it off to your sure. son. See the sod father and the sod son. What's the fun play I mean, on words for his son's name? It was it was horrible it was for both. For both. I mean, you guys were slipping all over for both teams. There were multiple Chiefs plays where the guy just sort of went whoop, yeah, uh, and then he like you could look at his face like I had daylight. Oh yeah, yeah. I could have done something yeah. there. Um, 
Did you guys see Nick Sirianni crying during the national anthem? Yeah. Oh, the wife was moved. She was moved by oh, him yeah. being moved? Yes, absolutely. Really? Yes, she was moved. She liked it. <sighs> during the anthem, before the game even starts. Crying. I don't think I don't think that's the right emotion there. Uh it doesn't know. get you in the right headspace yeah. to go out there and win a football that's game. Right. I don't know. His dad's really sick. I gave him oh, a pass Jesus. on that one. I gave him a what pass. What is the we, we looked it up. I'm making jokes over uh, here. Thanks, Ed. We looked it up. Ed just nuked both of us out of this conversation. <laughs> I mean, I feel bad. The, the wife looked it up right away. Because she's like, because she didn't know. What, I said, oh, that's Nick Sirianni. Just like she must have newsed him or looked it up, but she found out that he was sick again. And um, that. so that was, I mean, I, I don't know if he's thinking about him. I don't, I mean, we don't know what he's thinking about in that moment, but. I mean, you gotta. I, I, I didn't. Yeah, I got I no. I got no argument against you. I got to take back everything I said. <laughs> you, yeah, okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> I'm gonna change the subject now. <laughs> Melvin Gordon, did you know this? Melvin Gordon won the Super Bowl last night. Did he make some kind of bet? So he was on the practice. He's on the squad. Chiefs practice squad. Yeah. And there was there's a website that covers the Chargers that tweeted out something to the effect of Melvin Gordon is basically the kid in a group project who does no work and slaps his name on the project at the end. <laughs> Melvin Gordon quote tweeted that with a picture of him holding the Lombardi <laughs> trophy. Smoking a, a, smoking smoking a, a cigar. cigar. Phenomenal work by Melvin Gordon. Because that is absolutely a true statement of the original tweet. Melvin Gordon just sh- he gets cut by the Broncos because he fumbles 700 times. Just shows up and says, you're damn right I won the Super Bowl. <laughs> I get a ring. Yeah. What's what's really disappointing is that he never got a chance to fumble for the Chiefs so that this year when the Raiders sign him to be Josh Jacobs' backup, he could fumble for the entirety of the AFC the West. division. That Melvin Gordon had a fumble returned for a touchdown by the Raiders yes, by against the, Raiders. the Broncos yep. this year, and he won the Super Bowl playing for the Chiefs. He's got a ring. Which Jared is right. He now needs to sign with the Raiders, so he will have played for all four AFC West teams. Has he played for a non-AFC West team? No, I think he went Chargers to Broncos, Broncos and then yeah. Chiefs practice squad. So yeah, he's got to he's got to sign. He with must the Raiders. be really good of giving up, like really good at giving up the like the, the goods. <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> hey guys, I'll be on the practice squad. If I'll just let you know what your Actually, he'd be great as the practice squad running back. You play those two teams twice. Why Why do you think the Chiefs were so good at recovering fumbles and taking them to the house last night? Oh, yeah. Melvin he, Gordon was yeah. on the practice squad. Practice squad. Fumbling it away. Nick he's, like the, he's like the scout team. Yeah. Nick Bolton's like, like I've scout done team. this the whole, the whole yeah. second half of the year. Been great at this. Whatever certain quarterbacks start for teams, I they say that the corners all line up and are like, all right, let's get the jugs machines. We got to be ready to catch these. The Chiefs team were like, not practice. We got a guy. He just puts it on the turf all the time, so we know how to scoop and score. We don't even tell him to do it. He just does it automatically. (laughs) Sometimes we don't even touch him, and it's just out. We're ready to go. I will say it was surprising that more so than a lot of teams, the Chiefs last night did in mid-stride, Bolton at least in mid-stride, was able to just pick up the ball and continue running. Where we see guys sort of like trip and wacky with their way down the field. That was like a Gordon fumble. No one touched him. Yeah. Well, he got he I mean, got he hit. Just, 
but he just kind of dropped yeah, it. Yeah, but it wasn't like he got smoked or whatever. Right. He was trying to run with it in one hand and lost right. the ball. And then the key there is that Jalen Hurts fumbling it then kicked it about yeah, he kicked 15 it. Yeah, he yards kicked it. Exactly. to help the Chiefs. Like, if he just fumbles and it goes straight down... They might recover it. But, but it's not a touchdown. Right. I, maybe. Hurts could have gotten uh, Mac Jones, I guess, by Chandler Jones. But it's probably not a touchdown. But because he managed to boot it 15 yards right. ahead, it was like a fat head start for Nick Bolton. It's like, oh, there's the ball, and nobody's around me now. All right, coming up next year on ESPN Las Vegas, we're going to get into some UNLV basketball after they lost to San Diego State. Gilbert throws it out top to Harkless. Harkless with Parrish guarding him. Comes top of the key. They try the pick and roll with Iwako. Now Keisha Johnson pushes Harkless down and a foul on Luis Rodriguez. But Keisha Johnson just threw Harkless down as he went down the lane. The officials gathering. And Harkless comes over to the official and says, if you're just going to let him throw me out of the way, you're going to have a problem. Now the players getting together and chatting. And if the officials are going to look at this, and they are, they're going to. They they're looking to see if it was an intentional foul on Luis Rodriguez. Back to the Finley Toyota Studios for Granny and Bischoff on the press box. UNLV lost to San Diego State. Ended up being an 11-point loss. UNLV uh, had a 13-4 run in the final three minutes to close what was a 20-point deficit for basically the entire game. It was 20 at halftime to just 11, make it look a bit more respectable um i'll i'll leave this open-ended for you i don't know how much respectable it was how bad was unlv's loss to san diego state i mean that first half was terrible yes. it was just and to the point of being embarrassing how how badly they were beaten up uh and just completely outplayed i'll say outcoached it was just everything yeah. everything everything that first half was just everything san diego state Ended up in that game with more offensive rebounds than UNLV had defensive rebounds, yeah. 18 to 13, which means San Diego State was getting more than half of their own missed right. shots. The The national average is like 30%, I think, and they got like 60-something percent in their game. Um, they, they were 14 of 17 on layups and dunks. They got a lot of layups and dunks, and they were mostly uncontested. They didn't miss very many of them, and they shot 12 of 28 from three. That's 43%. Um, zero chance they're winning that game. To me, that that first half was the worst first half of the season for Kevin Kruger. It's the most damning for Kevin Kruger. Not necessarily for UNLV, because losing to Fresno State's worse, but for Kevin Kruger specifically, because here's here's the problem with UNLV basketball, the way Kevin Kruger built them and, and what's happened in Mountain West play. This offseason is UNLV brought in defensive first players. Mm -hmm. The roster that Kevin Kruger put together was supposed to be this great defensive team. Mm -hmm. That's what they were trying to build. Similar to San Diego State, who has been for two decades, best defensive team in the conference, or at least top two or three every single year. And when they have a good offense, they're really good. When they have an average offense, they're just okay. But San Diego State has been phenomenal defensive team for like 20 years, and that's why they're always at the top of this conference. And Kruger tried to do something similar, have five great defenders on the floor. He wanted to switch every screen and you know be more athletic than your opponent. And UNLV didn't belong on the court as San Diego State. They didn't just get beat. They got bullied by San Diego State 
in that first half. We heard the audio there. That play, I think, was maybe the most symbolic play. EJ Harkless has the ball, tries to throw a pass into the post, and Keyshad Johnson just steals it from him. And then Keyshad Johnson dribbles up the floor, kind of knocks Harkless to the ground, and goes up and gets an and one. That was UNLV's best player having a turnover forced by San Diego State's like fourth or fifth best player and then getting run over in the fast break leading to San Diego State points. Your best player cannot be physically dominated by the other team's fourth or fifth best player. That just can't happen. And it did in that game. No one expected UNLV to be better than San Diego State this season. That was never an expectation. But to have a team and try to build it in the same vein that San Diego state does and then go play San Diego state and not even look like you belong in the same conference. That's a massive problem for Kevin Kruger because how is he going to build a roster to go to the NCAA tournament? Yeah. I mean, it's been what, since 2013. Yeah. And this team, uh, you can't ever see winning four and four days. So if this is the way they're going to build it, I'm not so sure it can happen. Right. His strategy this offseason was to be what San Diego State is, and they're nowhere close. And if that's your strategy, and it's that far away from working, how does he get to the NCAA tournament? Either he's got to do much better at his own strategy and get much better defensive players, which is probably difficult to do, or he has to change his strategy for roster building this offseason. Right. And that's probably the most likely scenario that we're going to have to see because they got embarrassed by San Diego State. They got absolutely embarrassed by the best team in this conference. And if they're going to try to build their team the same way San Diego State does, they have to do it so much better than they did. And that seems hard to do. So you've got well, to change. It seems hard to do to turn it around and do it in a year. Yeah. Which is what we've now seen two off seasons for Kruger, right? Obviously his first one and then this past one where he's tried to rebuild almost the entire roster and put together a roster good enough to go to the NCAA tournament and doesn't do it. And he's going to have another opportunity, but what's he going to do this off season? We haven't seen anything from Kruger to suggest he's going to build a roster good enough to go to the NCAA tournament this off season. We haven't seen that. It's only two off seasons, but you don't really get that many chances as a head coach in college basketball. So That's, I think, the big problem for Kevin Kruger is he's probably going to have to rethink and re-strategize how he builds a roster because what he tried to do wasn't even close. Is it way too much into the portal for him? It's what you kind of have to do, I think. If you, you take over a roster that's not that good, like, yes, he did inherit Bryce Hamilton, but, I mean, UNLV in Otzelberger's last year was what, 12 and 18 or something like that. And like 150 or 60 in Ken Palm. Like they weren't just completely awful, but they weren't very good. They weren't very good either. It's not like he inherited a team that was like on the Went cusp. to the NIT. Right. 120 like, something games. He inherited a bad team with a couple of good players. And that's really your best option is go to the portal, bring in some kids. Now, I think one of the keys is you've got to keep some kids like you can't go to the portal and you can't have 10 new faces, nine new faces, 10 new faces, nine new faces. You can't have that. You you've got to have, when you go into the portal, it's got to be, I need to fill two holes, not I need to fill my entire roster. Right. 
which is what ha- I mean. Who's who's on the team from last year? Keyshawn Gilbert and Jordan McCabe that are and Iwako, but he was injured and didn't play a whole lot. Like their that main are somewhat regulars or regulars. Their main players. It's almost all transfers, and that's going to be hard to do unless you just absolutely hit it out of the park in the portal, and that's possible, but really, really hard to do. Because oh, here's the thing: EJ Harkless, especially recently, he's been phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah, like, 24 points. Yeah, he had another good game against San Diego State offensively. He's been awesome. Like, they absolutely did a good job. He has not shot well from three. Better recently, but he's still under 30%. But, like, they they have, that's the problem. They've hit on transfer portal, guys. Donovan Williams was a hit. Royce Ham was mm-hmm. a hit. EJ Harkless is a hit. I'd say Luis Rodriguez is a hit. They've hit on transfer portal, guys. But the problem is, is they hit on, like, two a year, and they need to hit on, like, five a year. If they're going to get that many from the portal. Right. So that's a big issue, I think, for UNLV is how many guys are going to be on this on this current team are going to be on the team next year, and how many holes do you have to fill? Harkless is a one and done guy. Right. He's this is his last this year of eligibility. They're going to be in the portal looking for their leading scorer again right. next season. Which, again, Harkless has been solid in that role, but it's not ideal when you've got to go in the portal and find your best player. And, year after year. Right. Especially, like it's the same conversation we had with Bryce Hamilton. Last year, going into the offseason, what, what were we talking about? Do they have to find a player better than, better Bryce, than Hamilton? Bryce Hamilton? That was our conversation because they didn't go to the NCAA tournament despite Bryce Hamilton being awesome. And it was, okay, so you have to be better than last year's team and you lose Hamilton, so you kind of need somebody better than Hamilton. Yeah. They didn't find it. Harkless has been good, but he's not better than Hamilton. And next year, it'll be the same conversation. Can they find a leading scorer? That's better than Hamilton, better than Harkless. Better than Harkless. And if they if they can, they'll have a chance. But that's going to be really, really hard to do. Because if there's a player better than Bryce Hamilton or better than EJ Harkless in the portal... I don't know if he's going to UNLV. The best teams in the country are going to be interested right. in that guy. So uh, they're going to have to find a kid who was, you know, playing 12 Play minutes a night for a Power 5 school right. that if you give him the reins, he actually is unbelievably good, not just good. And that's part of the issue for UNLV. All right, coming up next here on ESPN Las Vegas, the Golden Knights are the greatest hockey team in the world. Stevenson swooping in, deals from low to high, right wing shot, save, rebound, score! Hill Kessel, weak side rebound, 4-1 Vegas. play all seven Golden Knight goals. They beat the Ducks seven to two. So the Golden Knights have won all three games since the All-Star break. They have done so five to one, five to one, and seven to two. Fired up. They're the greatest team in the history Fired of sports. Fired up. There's no, there's no better team than this in the NHL. You kidding me? Three home games, three wins, 17 goals. I mean... Amadio, Carrier, Kessel, just like they drew it up in the yeah. offseason. Everybody scores. They went into the all-star break with the legitimate conversation of this team is struggling to score. Where are they going to Where get are they getting goals, goals from? from? And it turns, Kessel? turns out they needed a vacation. Yeah, they did. They needed a break, and they come back, and they cannot stop scoring. And it's it's everybody. I mean, it's Paul Cotter scoring the first goal of the game last night. It's Everybody on this team is scoring. Does this have anything to do with them being also completely healthy defensively? No. (laughs) 
None of it? <sighs> Probably None not. Of it. I don't think because they were play when they were struggling to score before the All-Star break. They had five of the six guys. Yeah. Like it was just Zach Whitecloud for what did they go? They got Theodore back and they they went a little while there with five of the six defensemen. I don't think there's hey Zach Whitecloud is in instead of uh, random defenseman from the AHL. And that's the difference in them scoring one goal a game and then scoring five to seven. Well, then it is a game. Then it's, he's come up with the right line. So I think Bruce Cassidy deserves a lot of credit right now for getting the line combinations, right? Uh, he put Paul Cotter up with Jack Eichel and Jonathan Marcheseau Smith Carlson and Amadio have been together Carrier Kessel with Stevenson at center. Those have been your top three lines. And since the all-star break, every single player for the Golden Knights has an expected goals, goals rate of better than 50%, which means every single player that's on the ice, the Golden Knights are getting more chances, high quality chances than their opponent when that person is on the ice. The interesting part is the Eichel line is still the worst line on the team. And they're the top line. Games. Yeah. Their expected goals rate is only 51%. Whereas Carrier, Stevenson, and Kessel, their expected goals rate over the last three games is 65%. Which, if they did that for an entire year, they'd be one of the best lines they'd in hockey. Be one if of not the best lines in hockey. The best in hockey. And so <laughs> Cassidy has done a terrific job getting these lines right. And because they've worked, he hasn't had to tinker with it. He hasn't had to change anything. No, because... he better not change anything. Five one, five one, and seven two. If he's changing something, we're not going to give him as much credit. You know how great it would be if like, he just mixed up the lines in the like, next game. Yeah, those those are some good scores, but uh, we got to change up go the platinum. lines here. That's right. We got to change up the lines here. It'd be great if he did that. So the Golden Knights come out of the All Star break on fire, can't lose, and they're now first place in the Pacific Division again. They have a three point gap over Seattle. There's a difference in games played there. But it is a team that is now uh, back to playing well and back to being on top of the division where at this point, do do we expect them to win to the division still? I mean, if they play like this and it doesn't and, and, and no one makes a run at them. Yeah. I mean, if they keep playing now, they're not going to keep playing like this. That's the that's, a, that's right. the point. We'll see. We'll see when they who, who have the three games win against Anaheim. Anaheim, who's Awful. Who's horrible. Uh, Minnesota is actually in a wild card spot right now. And they now. usually play the Knights more tougher than they did the other night. But Minnesota had been awful after their, before the All-Star break as well. And then Nashville, who's on the outside looking. Yeah. So, so I mean, it, look, 5-1-5-1-7-2 is great, but right. we'll see. It hasn't it hasn't been against the best teams, but, no. but whatever. It happened. You those play are dominating schedule. performances right. also. They're not winning 2-1. Right. to one. Right. So... We'll see when they play some tougher teams. We'll see when they start playing, especially the teams at the top of the Pacific that they're going to be competing with. Because that's the where division. they've struggled, actually. Yeah, they've, they've struggled within the their division. own division. So we'll see what happens there. But it's so right now in the Pacific, Vegas has 68. Seattle played one less game, has 65. Edmonton also 65. LA also 65. Calgary at 60. Still kind of hanging around there in the race. But it is still extremely bunched up, and the difference between Edmonton and L.A. right now is the regulation wins tiebreaker. And as of right now, L.A. would be a wildcard team, and Edmonton would be uh, the three seed out of the Pacific Division. L.A. would be playing, uh, who would they Oh, they'd be playing Vegas. Yeah, that'd be the matchup. The Kings would be? Yeah, if it was right now, it'd be Kings-Vegas in the first round. I mean, I think if you're Vegas, you'd rather play Seattle. 
Probably. We are going to do this the entire year, aren't we? The Seattle Kraken are going to win the yes. division, and we're going to be like, Dad, you want to play that Seattle? Good. That's who you want to play. <laughs> An expansion team can't be good this no. fast. No, no. They're in their second year. Second year, you get bounced right away. Yeah. Don't even, there's yeah. no deep run in your second year. That's a first year thing that you got to do. So, Golden Knights playing really well. I think Bruce Cassidy deserves credit for the lines he's put together because they have worked so far. And I'll be honest, it's probably not what I would have expected. Putting not to that level. Put well, no, no. I mean the lines he put together, like uh, the um, the Kessel line, Carrier, Stevenson, and Kessel. If at any point I had said those three are on a line together this year, would you have expected that to be a good line? Not around 65%. I mean, Carrier's, <laughs> had, a, Carrier's had a breakout year, right? Stevenson has been really good. Right. An all-star. But Kessel. And then Kessel has been... Kessel. Phil Kessel. Yeah. But those He's three not, together... He, he is not a 200-foot player. <laughs> those three together have been the best line the Golden Knights have had for the last... They were actually together before the All-Star break, too. So it's been like the last four or five games. Well, Kessel was playing well before the All-Star right. break. Right. And that's... Uh, a great job by Bruce Cassidy. We've been talking the whole year about what the hell do you do with Phil Kessel? The guy, he has not been productive. You only want to play him in offensive situations because you don't want him on the ice in his own zone. Where do you play that guy? And the answer is with William Carrier and Chandler Stevenson. Yeah. Obviously, you morons. Like, <laughs> we're the morons here. Of course, that's where you play him. It's a perfect line because they've been so good for the last three games. Now, how long does that last? We'll see. What do they play again on Thursday? Play on Thursday. Got a few days off here. And then Saturday, and then they're off on the road again. All right, what if Jared's right? They just needed a vacation. They all, they all needed to go to Hawaii together? They just needed to just, eh, no, let's not skate for like a week. I mean, they've been making long playoff runs every year for a long time. Maybe it's just like, yeah, I just needed the day off. So if they go into a rut... Like in early March, they lose like four in a row. Call up the Henderson Silver yeah, Knights take, for a yes, week. Exactly. Take a take a couple games off. Yeah, play the Silver Come Knights. Come back and start winning four or five in a row. Yeah, and then they're back. They should actually should do it right before the playoffs. Yeah, if they clinch, if they if they, if if they, they clinch, clinch, that's a good. They'll be a, then, it'll be sit, a then sit everybody. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a good point. We'll be sitting here saying, yeah, you got to bench everybody, Cassidy, the yeah. whole team, bench them. I don't care what you got to do. You got to bench them because that's the only way you're actually going to win a playoff series.